Welcome. I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Hebrews. Today is episode 892, and we're looking at Hebrews chapter 9, verses 23 to 28. Let's read the passage. Therefore, it was necessary for the copies of the things in the heavens to be purified with these sacrifices. But the heavenly things themselves need to be purified with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with hands, only a model of the true one, but into heaven itself, so that he might now appear in the presence of God for us. He did not do this to offer himself many times, as the high priest enters a sanctuary yearly with the blood of another. Otherwise, he would have had to suffer many times since the foundation of the world. But now he has appeared one time at the end of the ages for the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for people to die once, and after this judgment, so also Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. This is the book of Hebrews. It's a letter or a written sermon addressed to Jewish Christians. They're suffering persecution under the Roman Empire, and they seem to be tempted to want to fall away from Christianity with its persecution and fall back into Judaism, which is tolerated by the Roman Empire. And the author of Hebrews is saying, no, don't do that. That's a mistake. Because Christ is better. He's superior to angels, to Moses, to the Old Testament priesthood. He is the new high priest with the new covenant, a permanent covenant, an eternal covenant. So to go back to the old temporary ineffective covenant would be a grave mistake. So he has been talking about this new covenant and why it's superior to the old covenant. We pick it up in chapter 9, verse 23. Therefore, it was necessary for the copies of the things in the heavens to be purified with these sacrifices. But the heavenly things themselves need to be purified with better sacrifices than these. So he's talking about the Old Testament sacrifice, that it's an imitation, a copy of that which is perfect, the heavenly things. So the tabernacle, the temple, it's a copy of the true sanctuary in heaven. This copy points to the perfect, the eternal, the true sanctuary. So it's just an image, a foreshadowing to point ahead to that which is perfect. And he's talking about the sacrifices which were used to purify this earthly temple, this earthly tabernacle sanctuary. That's not good enough for the heavenly things. The heavenly things themselves need to be purified with better sacrifices than these. What does he mean by the heavenly things? Well, he can't really be talking about heaven, the heavenly sanctuary. It doesn't need to be purified. So if we just step back and say, well, what does need to be purified? Well, what actually needs to be purified is us. And so the heavenly things, he's basically saying spiritual things, the things eternal that last to heaven. And what needs to be purified? Does heaven need to be purified? No. We need to be purified inwardly. Our consciences need to be purified. And if we think about different pictures that are laid out in the New Testament as far as 
us and in our relationship to things and the spiritual dwelling of God, various places in the New Testament talk about the people of God are the new house of God. Our, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Peter talks about us being this royal priesthood. And, and so the idea is that God is with us. That was how Christ was described beginning of the book of Matthew. Emmanuel, God with us. And so we are the ones that need to be purified. And he's been laying out the idea that these physical animal sacrifices of the Old Testament were insufficient to cleanse inwardly. And that's what's really needed. And so we need the inward spiritual purification. And that needs something more than just the Old Testament sacrifices. Continues verse 24. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with hands, only a model of the true one, but in heaven itself, so that he might now appear in the presence of God for us. So he didn't need to purify heaven. Heaven is already pure. Heaven is already perfect. And he is there with God now. Nothing there needs purified. But we need purified. Christ is now in heaven with God on our behalf. And we need purified in order to be presentable to God. Verse 25, he did not do this to offer himself many times as the high priest enters the sanctuary yearly for the blood of another. Well, he already touched on this, the idea that what Christ did was once and for all. It does not need to be repeated. His sacrifice is perfect. It's eternal. Verse 26, otherwise he would have to suffer many times since the foundation of the world. But now he has appeared one time at the end of the ages for the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself. So it doesn't need to be repeated like the annual sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. He did it once and for all. It never needs to be repeated. It covers all sin for all eternity. It says he appeared at the end of the ages. Now, there's disagreement with what does he mean by the end of the ages. It can mean a variety of things or even a combination of these things. It could be talking about the end of the former age, that is the Old Testament age, the age of the Levitical priesthood and animal sacrifices. That age is ended. He could be talking about the beginning of the end times. They were very aware that they were entering the end times. They expected a, a imminent return of Christ. Now, 2,000 years later, we think, well, they must not have been the end times. Well, it depends on how you define these things, but in some ways, you can say the end times began then at the first appearance of Christ, and the end times end at the return of Christ. could just be using a literary statement, the end of the ages as the climax of history of this is the big event in all of history. Or it could be talking about the beginning of the Messianic age. I think it's really, it's a mixture of all those things. It's using a, a figurative term, the end of times, as we've crossed a threshold here in history from before Christ to after the coming of Christ. Even our own calendars refer to it BC, before Christ, and AD, Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. And so, the coming of Christ split history into two eras, and we're now in this new era. 
Verse 27, And just as it appointed for people to die once, and after this, judgment, so also Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Now, his focus isn't on the judgment. I think that's probably a proverbial saying, is appointed for people to die once, and after this, the judgment. So I think he's just kind of using that saying that people die once, and that's the end of it. And similarly, Christ, in his humanity, died once. He doesn't need to come and die again and again and again and again. He died once, but because of who he is, that's sufficient to pay the penalty of sin for all time. But he is coming back. There will be a second coming. And it won't be to die again to take on the sins of the world. What he has already done is taken care of that. So when he comes again, it will be to bring salvation to those that are waiting. We already have salvation. Remember, often in biblical writers' view, salvation isn't really complete until the end of time. Yes, what Christ has done brings salvation, but who is really saved? We don't really know that until the end. Those who persevere to the end, those are the ones that are saved. And so when Christ comes, that wraps things up. And that finishes this whole process of salvation. Those of us who are still alive when Christ returns go to be with Christ immediately. Bring salvation. Now, there will be other aspects of his second coming, like judgment. But his focus isn't on unbelievers. His focus is on the believers. And that's his challenge to these Jewish Christians. Don't miss out on that. Don't give up all this, the idea of, when Christ returns, experiencing complete salvation because he is coming back a second time. So we've been talking about this new covenant. It's perfect. It's eternal. It's based on the perfect sacrifice. So don't give all this up to run back to that which has been replaced, that which was imperfect, that which was ineffective, that which, which was just a placeholder pointing ahead to what would come and now has come. Don't abandon the perfect for the temporary. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Hebrews.